We'll get you back. Church somewhere for ugly people. Jeez, all right, all right. Here we go. Awesome here we go. People. Here we go. Here we I go. I tell you, what I don't know. Every, every girl's a got a husband and boyfriend, I'd imagine. Every fella's probably rich. Gee, what a good-looking bunch. Can I tell you, too, um, just while we're um, saying all the nice things, Pastor James and Michelle, hey, look, you've been here about 45 years, I think. Uh, you have been here in this church as long as I've ever known you. And uh, that's ridiculous. You were in your 30s when I got to know you. I was in my you know, early teens. And... Uh, well, yeah, and, but the shirt with the muscles. Man, I love I'm keeping my jumper on now. Uh, he's got the big bicep. I just got one bicep, but he's got two. That's just brilliant. All right, mine are scared of heights. <laughs> That's all. That's good. But Michelle, you could have done better, Michelle. You need to know that. You could have done better. But he's turned out okay, but you could have done better. That's for sure. But listen, I know I don't need to say this. I was talking to Jeff at lunch um, today. We didn't have lunch. Yeah, I wasn't good enough for that, but he popped in to say hello. But, uh, but I know that I don't need to say this, but boy, look after your pastors. We got some towns that need good pastors. And I'm talking like the vice president here for just a moment. I got some, t- look at our competition. Hello. Hello. What's your name? Pretty well, if I just walk toward you, you'll get scared and walk away. Yeah. What's your name? Who belongs to this lady? Oh, hello, mate. How are you? Do you want to come and get her? Because it's very difficult to compete with a child. I mean, I juggle and tap dance, but she's just cute. And that sort of trumps me. Excellent. Excellent. And um, I like her, though. Uh, yeah, can I, if I can talk like the vice president for a second, we've got some towns that need pastors. And so just be sure, and I know I don't need to tell the Jeff and the guys on the team, the board guys, but boy, look after Pastor James and Michelle. I don't know what you earn. You're probably already on 175 grand, but you certainly should be. You should be. I reckon, I don't know how often you talk about a raise, but um, yeah, I reckon it's time. That's for sure. It's time. It's all right. Can I come back? <laughs> Did I say everything you told me to? <laughs> um, I have never, I've been doing this 35 years, I, have, I don't think I've ever talked to a pastor that's ever talked about that to me, at least. And, um, but I did tell you what, they're worth, they're, most of the ones I meet, they're worth double whatever they get. They don't do it for that, but you've got to honour them. And um, I, I really, I do honour you, James and Michelle, you are such magnificent people. And um, what a magnificent work we're doing here in this great town. It's a, it's a fantastic deal. That's cool. All right, um, we better get to it so we can go home. You're right, Phil. You'll be right to get back up, eh? <laughs> All right, you're going to be okay? I like the musicians because in a lot of churches, they go out to a back room. They do. They just go, I don't know what they do out there, but they always, they always come back happier. So I reckon there's a bit of snorting going on or there's a bit of something in the water. Wherever they go, I tell you, wherever they go, I want a room like it. <laughs> so um, you guys are obviously happy already because you don't need it. And... Uh, that's good. Um, can we get rid of this? I'll trip over that for sure. I want to talk tonight that the title of what we want to share is called You Can't Whistle the Blues. It's a bit of a daggy title, really, but hopefully that will gain some meaning. I want to share a verse with you. Um, and if we can get in, look, is anyone maybe not normally in church? You don't have to answer that, but just I got your attention. If you're not normally in church, uh, can I talk to you for just a moment and then come back to talk to you at the very end? 
And um, I hope that what I share won't lock you out. I do understand that sometimes when you go to a particular group, whether they're surfers or bikers or computer people, they do have a language. And um, you, you know you're not in, you know. Like I'm a biker, I'm not a surfer. So when I caught with the surfers, you know, I, I just, I know I'm not in. I don't look like I'm in. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like, um, while we're on that, can I ask this question? Put your hand up if anybody has ever said to you, ever, you're a Christian, aren't you? Put your hand up if that's ever happened to you. Okay, that has never happened to me. <laughs> Not once in 40 years of being a Christian have I ever had someone say, you must be a Christian. When I catch aeroplanes, and I tend to a little bit, um, you get sitting next to people. Now, if it's a long, like they call it a long-haul flight, you're the ones that take a long time. And um, you sum up the person pretty quickly who you've got to sit next to for 10 hours. And um, sometimes they say, they always, well, they always are, what are you doing for a living? And uh, so I say, I talk to people. They say, do yeah? You talk to people, like for a living? I said, yep. I said, who do you talk to? I said, I'm talking to you. Yeah, that's sort of talk to whoever listen. And you get paid to do that. And I'm just wheeling them in. Because, you know, uh, well, let me give you the other side to it. Sometimes you sit next to someone who you, you really think is going to be a bit of a pain on the flight. So they say, what do you do for a living? I say, I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> and then I just get to go to sleep. They don't want to talk anymore. It's just magnificent. <laughs> so... so but I've no, I don't know what it is. Is it my face? What is it? My face? I don't know. I've never ever been ever. No one's ever thought like I don't fit the mold. I have offered people. I was in a motorcycle shop. Um, oh, surprise! <laughs> a couple of years ago, and I was talking to the guy about a bike, and you know, just killing time. Really, he said, "So, what do you do for a living?" That's how guys in bike shops talk. What do you do for a living? I said, "I bet you can't guess." And. Uh, he said, oh, try me. I said, I'll give you a thousand bucks if you guess. And so he, you know, his, he didn't say lawyer. And, uh, you know, I look too honest and um, stuff like this. He's, and um, he, he can't get it. And then finally, he says, um, I said to him, mate, I, I pastor a church. And um, he, he used the word, I won't use the word. I'll use the word before it. Uh, D what? That's two, two before it. Uh, D what? <laughs> he said. And, oh, sorry, sorry, he said, forgive the French. And, uh, I, and um, I said, that's all right, mate, I don't care. He said, I don't believe that, C-R-A-P. And I said, no problem, no problem. So what's the code you live by? He says, I just tell me, kids, you know, whatever you do to people will come back to you. I said, yeah, that's good. That's Matthew 6. It's in the Bible. Get out, get out. <laughs> he was utterly shocked. You know? And I said, so what else do you do? He said, oh, I call it karma. You know, sort of whatever you do to other people coming back to you anyway, you know. I said, that's in the Bible as well. Get out, he said. I said, mate, maybe you should be a pastor. And he said, the, he said that word again, you know. <laughs> I said, oh, maybe not, maybe not. But here's the truth. If you're not normally in church, let me say this to you. You find what's good. Come on, you know in, in here, you know what's good. What's good? And it'll be God. Because if it's good, it's in the Bible. I don't know who you heard it say, whether it was the guy at the motorbike shop teaching his kids just to be good to people, treat people like you want to be treated. That's the golden rule, Matthew 7. 
All right. And um, uh, Luke 6, give and it will come back. It's just, it's all in the Bible. Well, I mean, how about this car park guy? What's the name of that um, car wash guy again? No, the name of the car wash place? What street is it on? Tallulah Street. You wouldn't know where that is, don't you? You have got to take your car there. You've got to spend 10 bucks there now on purpose. But you've got to say to the manager, I'm here because my pastor at Port City came here and he talked about you and said, you're a good guy. That's what you've got to say. And then give him your money. And I tell you what, I'll be here next year, I'll be on the board. <laughs> because with the attitude he's got, he should be. Oh, yeah, not as good as Jeff, but almost. <laughs> Fantastic. All righty. All right. So if you're not normally in church, um, uh, listen, God just wants to be good. I don't know what you've heard. It's difficult, I know, to put away a preconceived idea. And I don't know what yours is. But I heard a fellow say one time, there are two preachers every time um, in, a, in a church. And that's the one here and the one already in your head. And so I know it's difficult, but if you could perhaps leave your gun at the counter just till I'm finished. I don't know how hard that is. And just see, if, I'm not talking that I could convince you, but just maybe open your heart for God's Holy Spirit. Um, it's just God's, I don't know, yeah. You know, remember when you had your first girlfriend and you might have been 200 miles away, but yet you still felt she was with you? You know, so when we talk about God being with you, you know, that's not weird. We understand that as humans. You can travel abroad and still have your grandkids in your heart. All right, well, God wants to be good to you. He wants to be nice to you. And that'll be fantastic. What I want to share with you is called You Can't Whistle the Blues. And um, oh, sorry, uh, Jeff, uh, Kate, Kate. Um, Jeff, husband, that's him, yeah. making sure I got the family. Kate, we'll get up here soon. Let me look at the time. By what time we finish? Eight o'clock, I suppose. But uh, <laughs> but we'll get you up. We'll get you up um, within twenty. Um, Petra, point four, the one with the ch the clip. That's the optional one if we don't get time. So no sweating. Okay, fantastic. Here's a verse for you. It's, um, I want to read it to you. You can put it on the wall, Petra, if you like. Isaiah 54, verse 1. Look what it says. Sing, O barren. Let me read the rest of the verse and come back and address the oddity of the first two words. Because I'm telling you straight up, that's an oxymoron right there. Am I right? Sing, if you won the lotto. I get that. Sing, the Broncos won. Oh, you're not happy about that. <laughs> so did the Titans. <clears throat> now we need, did the Cowboys? Hey, they beat the Bunnies. Oh, you set me up then. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. But so you, you understand what I'm saying? But sing, Baron. We, we, you cannot... Walk past that without looking at that. But we'll read the whole verse and come back. It says, Sing, O barren, you who, who, who have not born. Uh, that's B-O-R-N-E. Break forth into singing and cry. That word cry doesn't mean, Ugh! it means shout aloud. You who have not labored with child. Now, guys, this is a metaphor, not an actual I like to say that to people because the Bible's full of types and symbols. 
I know I've met more than one lady that gets hung up on the fact that they get called the sons of God. I'm not the sons of God. Listen to me. I'm the bride of Christ. I am one bikey chick, I can tell you. <laughs> but, so, so, but they are not gender terms. They're spirit terms. And they're correct. So this is a metaphor. I don't care if you're a guy or a girl. Um, I hear guys talk about, oh, mate, it was like having a baby. Yeah, don't say that with the women around. All right, you know, like ride 100 kilometres on the bicycle. It's like, it's like having a baby. Yeah, that, that'll work at the men's brekkie. All right. But you use it as a metaphor, correct? All right, so that's what we got here. Don't, don't lose it on the gender thing. So um, you who have not laboured with child, for more are the children, all right, if you're a business person, the offspring um, the quote, the tender's one, okay, you translate it, more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. And it's a metaphor. Look, look what it says at the end, says the Lord. Now let's go back to the difficulty of the start. Sing barren. That is called an oxymoron. That's an English term. It's not a daft boilermaker. An oxymoron. My mother always said to me, Pastor James, as I was growing up, I love you, Steve. You got two speeds, mate. On and moron. <laughs> I thought it was a compliment. <laughs> but here, let me help you understand what an oxymoron. Have, have a listen to this. This is an oxymoron. Act natural. Have you ever thought about it? That's called an oxymoron. Act natural. Uh, here's another one, placid toddler. You get, all, right, you're, you, all right, you're on the boat now. Reliable VW. <laughs> the, these are, this is an oxymoron. Here, here's another one. Oh, I wonder if you lived through the Great Depression. <laughs> all right. Um, um, anarchy rules. Oh, okay, that was a bit cerebral. Um, here's one that, that is true for me. Airline food. And my favourite of all, Microsoft works. <laughs> so you get it. You know what an oxymoron is right now. You know, like if you met happy Steve Kennedy, you know, that, I mean, that's what I mean. It's like, it's an oxymoron. He's just so gentle, you know. <laughs> hey. All right. So now that you know what an oxymoron is, if I read that again, sing, barren, that's an oxymoron. But is it? There's another English definition, and it's the word paradox. And I want to help you understand whether or not this is an oxymoron or a paradox. This is what a paradox is. A paradox is something that is seemingly absurd or contradictory, but when investigated, proves to be well-founded, okay? That's what a paradox is. And so what we have here, I'm going to submit to you, is, is not an oxymoron at all, but a paradox, something that needs to be looked into a little more deeply to find the meaning. Don't go cold on me, um, Kate, because we're coming. All right, I'll give you, I'll give you a paradox. Um, state of origin, the year is 2014, uh, New South Wales has won 
um, the first two games. First time in 500 years it's happened. (laughs) While the players wander off, the Queensland players wander off to the sheds, Mal Meninga, the coach, come on, I'm in Queensland heartland, I, I don't have to explain this. Mal Meninga wanders off and he says this, hey, let's sing the song. Oxymoron or paradox? In 110 years of state football history, now state of origin is just 30 years old, but if you're older, you remember New South Wales, Queensland, For 110 years of state football, the losing team has never sung the team song. So when Mal said, hey, let's sing the team song, they're like, were you here? (laughs) Were you even at the ground? Now, let me just point out, the Queensland State of Origin team song is a cerebral piece of musical genius. You can tell they're not rugby union players because of the complexity of the lyrics. And I demonstrate. Yippee-yi-yi, yippee, yippee-yi. That's the first line. <laughs> Come on, what's the second line? Yippee-yi-yi, yippee yippee yi yippee yi yi yippee yippee yi yi yippee <laughs> whoever got that number plate the smart state <laughs> yippee yi yi yippee yippee yi so when mal said let's sing the team song the words were handed out to the front row forwards The backs had it down and they started. And I'm probably thinking they started. I don't know who it was that thought, come on. But it caught. And the noise of that song went into the, can you imagine what the enemy thought hearing them, you know, if you've seen it on TV with the, and it gets faster. They have to get Jet to sing the last verse. Oh, he's in the other team, but you know what I mean. It's, can only, it's only the wingers who can sing it the last time. It's so fast. But you can only imagine what they were thinking next door. Hey, you don't get to do that. They hadn't got to do it for a hundred years. <laughs> I wonder if anyone can tell me the score of the next game. 32-8. 32-8. Queensland then won the series in 15. They won it in 16. And they won it in 17. So is it an oxymoron? When God says you're having a tough time, Sing. It's not an oxymoron. He is not teasing you. It's a paradox. He says, you've got to look into this. You've got to see the value of this because this 
is powerful. Is that all right? Tell your neighbor he's preaching better than I'm listening. God, do it. I need a rest. (laughs) I like the referee calling a scrum. It's not for the players. It's for him. (laughs) The only reason they have scrums is so the ref can have a bit of a blow. Bit of smoker. You can get it walking. You can get it talking. (laughs) Okay. Biblical. Psalm 53. Now, I can't read it. It's too long. But um, let me just say, Psalm 53 is, he was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquity. The punishment of our peace was cast upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. It's, it's, if, if we stick with his men, it's Queensland losing. It's the team going down. Now, here's the thing you must understand. I think you do, but it's, it's stating the obvious. We have the Bible and we've got Isaiah 53. Then we have Isaiah 54. You understand? That's not how it was written. They only put it into chapters so you'd know when to stop your devotional reading. <laughs> they didn't want you to feel guilty for like putting it away for the night. Am I correct, Pastor John? It was written in a continuum. It's only centuries later they put verses on it and chapters just to sort of give it some structure for a reading plan. So it simply goes, you know, he was wounded. So when he asks you to sing, when you're in your challenge, don't point your finger and say, you don't know what I'm going through. He does. He's not trying to mock you. I said this morning that we're going to set some miracles up tonight. In Luke 17, I want you to listen to this. I felt Holy Spirit. This is not in the notes. I just feel Holy Spirit needs me to tell you this. In Luke 17, Jesus heals 10 lepers. What did nine of them do? Talk to me. They walked away. Did they have their miracle? Yes, they did. That can happen. You can have an encounter. Boom, you get it. What did one do? Why did he come back? Okay, that's good. And that's what you've heard preached. But can I tell you something else? That man got that the others did not get. That man got to learn how miracles come. Nine got a fish. One got a fishing lesson. Jesus says to the one, not the nine, he would have liked to have said it to everybody. But he got to say to one of them, he said, faith has done this for you. So when the other nine got home, their wives said, wow, what are you doing home? Oh, bloke just said, alakazoo, alakazoo. And I'm healed. And she said, oh, wow, do it over the groceries because we haven't got enough. He goes, I don't know how. But one learned a repeatable lesson when he got home. His wife said, wow, how did you get home? And they said, well, a guy just said, alakazoo, alakazam. She said, well, we, our little kid's got a, a kidney problem. Could you do it to him? He says, well, well, he told me it was because of faith. You understand? So he didn't just get an event. He got a lifestyle. I don't want to preach an event tonight, although I'm quite believing that you could get a miracle here tonight. But I want to put into you something of a lifestyle that will see miracles in your life when you need them. 
He went through challenge. And in the middle of the challenge, God said, you want to know what to do in this challenge? Sing. So this is what I did. Speed it up. What I did is I just, because I, I looked at this. Now, you're a preacher, eh? You get sidetracked, eh? You see things. Just throw it out. This is free. Stop reading the Bible. And start knowing the Bible. The Bible doesn't say if you read the truth, the truth will set you free. It says if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. You can't just pass over a verse like this, Isaiah 54, and just say, oh yeah, I read my verse. No, you can't not be confronted. When you're someone who's barren is told to sing, you've got to say, I've got to stop. I've got to look at that. What is that? Is that an oxymoron? Is that a paradox? That's what I did. And what I got stuck on is the discipline or the form, uh, the mechanics, if you will, of singing. Why sing? Well, why didn't he say, um, quote, poetry, O barren? Why didn't he say, buy a cat, O barren? If he did, I'd be studying that. But he said, sing. So I said, well, why sing? And I've come up with a couple of things I'd like to submit to you. Okay, and here's the first. Um, by the way, by the way, so we've got pain and then sing. If you look, come to Matthew 26, Jesus tells his disciples, I'm about to go to the cross. He has holy communion with them. He tells them, you know, it's going to be bad. I'm going to be hung on the cross. And then in verse 30, he says, then they sang, they sang. Can you, whoa, whoa, I can't sing now. You told me that. But Jesus led the hymn, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my great Redeemer's praise. Or whatever else he belted out till he captured them up like the first person who started the yippee-yi and led them to victory going forward. And I believe that can happen for us in Jesus' name. It's not a one-time event. It's, it's a repeatable principle God wants us to. Look, if you need the Lord to speak into something tonight, then what he tells you to do is to sing. Here's the first reason I think why. I'll tell it to you in a story. 1974. Oh, come on, let's see how your memories go here. 1974. Uh, who won Eurovision? Hello. You were there. You don't look like you could have been there. Gee, I hope I got that back. Abba. Who put you out of you? I don't even know who that is. Abba. They are, oh, good. Okay, well, you're all in. Some of you are a bit, you know, like Abba. I'd, I wish I could have had a photo of them at that time because they were one dapper looking bunch of guys. But here's the deal they could not even order McDonald's through the drive through in English. Yet they became billionaires. Money, money, money. Must be funny in a rich man's world. That's because they couldn't think of any English words to say. All the things I could do if I had a Waterloo. Now, we're going into worship now. Can you hear the drums, Fernando? They were criticised for the simplicity of their lyrics. You know what their answer was? We can't speak English. <laughs> but here's, here's my point. There's no accent. 
When you sing, and I've looked into this, I've, I've got on Google, and there's, there's theories, but they can't seem to work out why when you sing, there's no accent. Look at, look at me, whinging, that's got an accent. Defeat has an accent. It's got a sound and a smell. But singing has an ascent. It'll lift you. It'll take you. And so when we sing, we go up. We rise in Jesus' name. If you need God to speak, if you need his authority to speak into your family or your business, you need to sing. Stop whinging to him and definitely keep it off Facebook. Sing in Jesus' mighty name. The second thing I want to mention to you about singing is it has, it has no deficiency. There's a guy, his name is um, Lazaro Abos. Season 12, American Idol. He comes out, uh, Keith Urban's on the panel, uh, the big black guy, what's his name? Really happy guy. Who? No, not, Se- not Seal. No, I tell you what, only a face a mother could love. No, Randy, remember Randy? Randy, and um, Mariah is on the panel, and then some other girl, Minji, Munja, someone. Anyway, so they're all there. And out comes Lazaro Abbott. Now listen, it comes up on the screen, if you watch it, um, it comes up on the screen when he did it, it says, um, uh, Florida, age 21, then it gives his occupation, ice cream scooper. (laughs) That's him. And they say to him, Lazaro, good to have you. What are you going to sing for us? And he says this, I'm not trying to pay out. You YouTube it when you get home. And they all start making excuses for him. They all try to finish his sentence, which apparently really annoys a stutterer. But Randy and Keith starting to get uncomfortable. And so one of them, I think it was Randy, just says, just sing it, man. He just, I can't take it no more. So he just says to Lazaro, sing it. And so he just stands there, 21-year-old from Florida, ice cream scooper, and he just stands and he closes his eyes and he says, when you're weary, feeling small, when tears are in your eyes, (laughs) Randy starts to cry. Mariah rushes over at the end. I think she gives him a hug if I'm right. And when he finishes, I think it's Keith that says, you should sing everything. (laughs) (laughs) And if you watch watch the YouTube clip, his mother says, his mother's crying, she's Spanish. He's he's from Cuba or somewhere. So So he's come over when he's about eight or nine. So he's from a foreign country in Florida, like, you know, the surface paradise of America. You know, like this is like USA Central. He's a, uh, like a, a foreign immigrant speaking stuttering Spanish. You can only imagine what his school's like. 
and mum's talking about this. And she said, um, he's trying to tell her what he wants for lunch. And she just says, just sing it to me, baby. <laughs> and he sings, Mum, I like peanut butter and jelly. In fact, I think I got a headache, need to stay home. <laughs> There's no deficiency when you sing. It's covered through this discipline. Look, if you need God to speak, you think your family's deficient, your business is deficient, your health is deficient. It's not an oxymoron. God's not trying to tease you. It's a paradox. He's saying there's something in this. If you do this, don't go cold on me, Phil. We're coming. All right, one more. Just one more point. Is that all right? One more point. Why singing? That's all I did. Well, God, why sing? Do you know, um, was it one of the shootings or disasters in America? Oh, no, 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 sorry. Forgive me. It's when President Trump was elected. Uh, who remembers? There was an outcry. Not my president. <laughs> Do you know what one university did? You, when I tell you, some of you will say, oh, yeah, I remember that. They put a room aside for distressed university students. <laughs> what did they put in the room? Puppies. <laughs> if you were so distressed because Donald Trump was the president, you could go to the room and hug a puppy. Stupid people, they should have read the Bible. It said, sing. That's what they should have been doing. Here's the third thing this will do us. Why sing? Because you can't stand still. Come on, who's as old as me? Move, baby, move. Get in the group now. Move, baby, move. Who's that? Oh, come on. I'll give you another one. Same singer. I saw this little girly walking down the street. I said, now there's a girly that I'd like to meet. That's <laughs> Mr. Johnny O'Keefe. Brisbane boy. I did this song in church once, Pastor James, when I took on the church I pastor, the first week, the first week, seven years ago, the newest song, Kate, the newest song they sang that morning, good song, but the newest song was, um, um, I slipped my mind right now, but I'll come back to it because it's a beauty. Um, I, I've got the one, what I did the next week was I decided to do this one. Oh, there's a party going on right here. Yeah, it's a celebration. <laughs> so bring your laughter and your good times too. We're going to celebrate a party with you here. Celebration. Do you know I had a lady come to me after the service and said, how dare you sing secular songs in the house? Now, look, I'm not 30 anymore. I was 50. So I got up the next week and I didn't mention her. I said, wait, we sang a song last week. Oh, I tell you what, it was, it was like Christian. Celebrate. That's Christian. I said, there's a party going on. That's got to be Christians. I said, it's going to last all year, like 52 Sundays. Come on, let me hear you. That's Christian. And everyone's starting to cheer. <laughs> and I, I am driving the dagger in. She doesn't come to our church anymore. Did I, did I, was I pastorally astute or wrong? 
I can't, maybe I did the wrong thing, I don't know, but I just thought, um, but I tell you, you can't. There's a party going on right here. It's a celebration. (laughs) So bring your laughter, but don't you move. We're going to celebrate a party with you. Uh Uh-huh. Celebrate. You can't do that unless you're dead. There's, what's that one in, we got one in tongues, haven't we? A wobble, 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 wobble. I'm being, I'm being naughty. I, I retract that. I'm being naughty now. <laughs> Listen, Paul and Silas, if you, if you don't know, there's these two, two guys, Paul and Silas, we've got to finish. We've got uh, five minutes. Kate, just go up. That'll give me a hint to sort of wind up. You've got to get them to go up. That tells the preacher, hey, mate, it's, all, it's over. Yeah. How should go up? She went back. So they do have something they... Bit of schnapps. Let's get for schnicket. Okay, it's good. Yeah, I love, I love it. I've never seen a church where they don't come up like brown's cows. Yeah, good. Up you come. come on, Phil. His name's not Phil and he's getting really mad too. <laughs> now that smile's fake. It's fake news. <laughs> he's brilliant though I tell you that right he's cool cool there she comes they're all coming well, that's probably not the mood but we'll work with it <laughs> listen Paul and Silas there's these two guys in jail they've been wrongly accused so stop stop wondering about it being not fair that's not what you're told you're not told to deliberate whether it's fair you're just told to sing and I'm, I'm not talking about who remembers B.J. Thomas? I know I'm ruling out the young people. He, he sang a song like this. Um, I told one guy, mate, you've got to sing when you've got a problem. So he sang a song sort of like, hey, won't you play another somebody done somebody wrong song? No, you can't, whistle, you can't sing the blues, mate. Just for the record, when it says sing, it's a Hebrew word, and the Hebrew word is the word rainen. And it's interpreted into English all through the Old Testament into words like shout, joy, excited. So when it's sing, it tells you what type of song. Not your agenda, but heaven's agenda. I walked into the kitchen when I was 13 years of age. My dad was the pastor of a church in Brisbane, an AOG church. But I hadn't seen him for a few months. I'm 13, you know, what do I know? So I remember walking into the kitchen and my mum, four, four to eight, mum's got 12 kids, 12 kids in 16 years. There was 11 kids at home when dad disappeared without me knowing anyway. And I remember walking into the kitchen um, to me mum and said to me, I'm, hey mum, it just struck me. And she was against the window preparing some veggies for the night meal. And I walked in the door, backs toward me and said, hey mum, where's dad these days? And uh, she, just tur- she just turned, or sorry, didn't turn, but I just heard her say, oh, I don't, I'm not sure he loves us anymore. Can I tell you, that's the most negative thing I've ever heard my mother say about my dad. That is the most negative thing I've ever heard her say. And it was simply a statement of truth. You know, I, I just went, oh, and ran back outside. I think it was my turn to bat. 
Well, I'm 13. What do you you know? Watching then as I became a Christian and a a young adult and then a man and now a leader, seeing my mother, we celebrated her 90th birthday last week at a restaurant in Brisbane. And uh, my brother, David, who used to pastor the church in Calliope, he brought along his guitar and uh, I got some of my siblings are not serving Jesus. Um, but we said, we're going to sing all of mum's favourite songs. Oh, we sang What a Friend We Have in Jesus. We sang every hymn you can think of. And we've got all of these harmonies, seven sisters, four brothers. But my mother said this to me one time. I said, mum, why are you happy all the time? And she just looked at me and said, you can't whistle the blues, Steve. <laughs> and I've learned, I dare you, next time you're depressed, she said to me, you've never seen an unhappy person whistle. Because whistle, if it was in the Bible, would be the word rainin, because it's a type of song. It's, a, it's an attitude of song. So I want to say this to you once more, and then we are going to sing a song. I'm going to tell you that if you need God to speak into something, you are asking for the authoritative Word of God to speak, then what you need to do is to sing. I don't know if you caught it, but the very first verse we, we read says this, and I want to read it once more. Sing, O barren, is the first line. The last line of the verse says, says the Lord. See, you sing, He talks. Incidentally, the last verse, the last line of the verse in the chapter, we say, it says, you sing. The last line of the chapter says, He speaks. So whatever you're doing the speaking, he's got nothing to say. But if you would just do, and I would just do what the Bible tells me to do when I'm in a challenge, and that's to sing. Like Paul and Silas when they were in jail. I don't know if they started off all that happy, but they they probably weren't pitch perfect, but they got themselves into a situation. We're going to do what the Bible says. And they began to sing. And then heaven heard it. And I love it. Pastor James, in Acts 16, it says, what does it say? It says, suddenly. We we see the word suddenly like, and luckily. No, suddenly's come from certainties. They certainly sang. And so there suddenly came. There's a suddenly for you, but you've got to add some certainty. You've got to do what the Bible says. So we're going to sing the first song we sang tonight. Now you know why you're singing it. So you might not have sung before because we needed to know you've got a problem. You need to know I don't care until you sing. I care, but you know, but I care that you get help. And so the Bible says, if you sing, God will talk. Can we do it? Come on, let's stand up and sing a bit. And I want you to bring, bring.